Hello, everyone, and welcome to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. My name is Marmon the Midboss, and you are listening to Lag Radio, your weekly dose of video game appreciation, chiptune idolatry, super sweet giveaways, and so very much more. On the show this evening, we're going to be doing episode 19 on, well, our final game for Spooktober, which is Outlast by Red Barrels. It's their first ever release, came out in 2013. It did find some success and spawn a sequel, so it is a relatively well-known horror game. But uh, yeah, we're going to be talking about it in depth. We're going to be going over the history and development. We're going to be talking about the story, of course. We're going to be going over some of the soundtrack details and then finally talking about the gameplay. Later on in the show as well, we're going to have a giveaway for a super sweet Outlast Murkoff Corporation shirt straight from Red Barrel's website. You're going to be able to win that just by calling in. So if you call in when I tell you to, by using the 949-824-5824 number, then you'll be able to win one of those completely free just to you. In the studio this evening, I'm joined by a couple of very special gentlemen that joined me a couple of weeks ago. Welcome back to the show. DJ Sparspar. DJ Sparspar. From Indie Gladiator. What's up, yo? What's good? And we've also got... Hello. <laughs> We've got Hello, hello from, from uh, Palaswap. <laughs> I love that show with Hello, <laughs> DJ love Hello. Host. <laughs> love that host. Uh, yes, yeah, so welcome to the show, Hello, Alex. Uh, <laughs> it was just your birthday yesterday, right? Yeah, uh, two days ago. Two days ago. My bad. Okay. Yes, yes two days ago. How did that go? Um, it was nice. Wait, did you say Wednesday? Yes, Wednesday. It's Thursday. Well, I mean. Not oh, it's not Thursday. It's Wait, not Thursday. I'm all over the map. You dude. are. You've been drinking a lot, dude. I've been. I've Gotta been, slow your roll, bro. Oh brother. my goodness. <laughs> Drink a lot of water. That is. <laughs> He's staying hydrated. Friday? I know. It's you mean Friday, I have a weekend? <laughs> for real. For real. Another, right. another thing. I mean, this is just like the Luigi's Mansion episode. Um, but another thing that coincides with this episode is that um, this game is actually getting a physical limited release on Switch. As of today. Ooh, what? what the heck? So everything, you've timed your episodes pretty well, I guess. <laughs> Dang, I'm glad. So it's digital on Switch, yeah, but yeah, yeah. Limited Run Games is doing like a limited physical run starting today. You know, it's kind of spooky if I do say so myself. Oh, yeah. It's mighty spooky. you know. Two episodes this, this month. <laughs> you picked Friday, good. Or I guess you didn't pick Friday, but you got, well, you got lucky with the Friday episodes. I get lucky from time to time. So, we've I'm got up all night to get lucky. I'm up all night. <laughs> Thank you, Daft Punk. Thank you. <laughs> My name so, is Hello Alex, Daft Punk, third member. <laughs> really? Is that? Hmm. Lag Radio Outlast is the the game this evening we're going to be talking about in depth. Please join us for the next two hours while we discuss. However, before we get to discussing it, I want to get into some of that music. So we're going to listen to songs from the original soundtrack by Samuel Laflame. Laflame, L-A-F-L-A-M-M-E. Maybe it's Laflame. Laflame, perhaps. Laflame. 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 Samuel Laflame. I hope he's not offended by this. I hope he's okay with (laughs) <laughs> with our pronunciation of his name. We're going to listen to, of course, classic main menu. <laughs> We're going to listen to the main menu. Dude! <laughs> That's a title. That's the bomb! <laughs> iconic, iconic main menu. The best song. Best and then song. we'll listen to Welcome to the Asylum. Not not quite to the level of main it's menu. Like Welcome to the Jungle. Welcome to the asylum. Yeah. We, we got, got scary funny. dudes. <laughs> <laughs> so we're going to listen to these two songs to start off the evening. If you want to call in 949-824-5824, we'd be happy to talk to you for a little bit. Though maybe not taking any sort of requests. Who knows? Maybe. If you got some sort of chiptune thing, maybe I'll be able to plug it in later on in the show. But for now, 
949-824-5824 is the number if you want to call in to win later on in the show our giveaway for the Murkoff Corporation shirt. Don't forget our various different social media outlets. Facebook.com slash Radio is one of them. Twitter.com slash Radio is the other. Also, Instagram is at DJ double underscore Marmar. Our Twitch page, where I stream Sundays and Wednesdays, is twitch.tv slash DJ single underscore Marmar. Finally, our playlist page, which is almost updated. Almost. I got Luigi's Mansion up, so I'm one episode behind lagradio.kuci.org. Check it out there. You can get links to all the songs we played in the past and in the future as well. All right, without further ado, let's listen to Samuel Laflamme, Laflamme with Main Menu. <laughs> Thank you for listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. My name is Marmar the Midboss. I'm joined by Alex and Sparse Bar, and we are Lag Radio. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. My name is Marma the Midboss. We are joined in the studio by Sparse Bar and Hello, Alex. <laughs> that's that's Sparse Bar's mating call, right? No. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, it's terrible. And uh, we are talking about Outlast. We just got done listening to three songs off of the soundtrack by Samuel Laflamme. The uh, most recent one was Soldier Attack, so it's the one that... Uh, Kind of happens when, well, you first see the soldier, right? Impaled by like a spike or whatever. I think that was the song he was playing. Yeah. And then before yeah. and then before that, we had Welcome to the Asylum, which was, of course, when you're driving up. This is the opening scene when you're driving up to the asylum. And then all the way at the top of the set was Main Menu. Ah, always Main Menu. Gets me every time. I was going to say, dude, that's kind of scary when you're driving up to the place because you have no idea what's going to happen. And then once you play the game, you're like, wow. But I'm like, when you're in that Main Menu, dude, like yeah that's the scariest part <laughs> that's pretty scary it is pretty spooky. that is the scariest part so we are going to be talking about the history and development we're going to be talking about the story we're going to be talking about the soundtrack and the gameplay later on but first let's start off with history and development so we're talking about outlast it is made by well started at least red barrels was started with three gentlemen david chateauneuf hugo delay or delayer delayer and philippe moron and they Obviously were Montrealians. Clearly, <laughs> very, very Montrealians. They were former Ubisoft and EA Montreal employees who had their EA project canceled. Well, they were they oh, were, were cool. yeah. So they were like, <laughs> I know that was pretty lucky. Cool. It's, cool that, it's cool that they like split off, created their first game, and it ended up being such a huge right thing for their first game. Exactly. Like, yeah, it was a big deal. So they they felt like they were working on something. I think two of them. I think maybe the first two, Shadnouf and and Delaire, but they were working on something at the time and. They got their project canceled. They were like, ah, dang. And a while back, they had tried pitching a horror game to Ubisoft. Or, uh, yeah, I think it, it was wasn't Ubisoft. Zombie U. It was. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, Zombie U. I, I, feel, I, have a mem- I feel like that's their last, like, horror game that Ubisoft did, I, from what I can remember. So. Horrible. Uh, I don't know. I never played it, so I can't judge. <laughs> oh. <laughs> so, zombie U. So, yeah. So, Ubisoft was not a big fan of the horror thing that they wanted to pitch. So, they passed on it. This was the sign to the three of them. You know what? We're going to split off. We're going to just make our own thing. They really felt strongly about their vision. And so, yeah, they weren't really big fans of the projects that they were being put on at the time. So, they quit their jobs, started Red Barrels, and they wanted to make it also because they didn't like all the things. Like, they had a first row seats to all of oh, the yeah. nonsense red tape that a lot of these big and large Ubisoft. studios yeah <laughs> right they're like some of the biggest in in the world um yeah some of that nonsense that those bigger studios have to deal with and the developers just have to like deal with and they didn't want that 
So here we go. Red Barrels begins. Now, of course, the first thing that they asked themselves when they started the company was... Why Red Barrels? Why that's Red... That's I want to know the answer to. I wish I knew the oh. answer. I'm sorry. I let you down this time. Oh. I don't know why Red Barrels. Dang. Did I really... No, I didn't see it. Sorry, guys. My apologies. They're big PewDiePie fans. <laughs> is, that, is that a PewDiePie Old thing? Old school PewDiePie fans. Old school yeah. PewDiePie Is it really? <laughs> I don't know Red Barrels, but Barrels. Oh, okay. All right. Fair <laughs> enough. Fair enough. So they were deciding, of course, what are they going to make first? And they had this big old laundry list of ideas. They were like, well, we could go in a whole lot of different directions. But particularly, Hugo Dallaire was a horror connoisseur. And he said, you know what? We talked about that horror game a while back. Let's try and do what we can with that. And so they drew a bunch of inspiration from some pretty well-known places. So, for example, I'm sure that Alex has seen it. But mm-hmm. in case Sparspar hasn't yet, you need to check out yes. Rubber Johnny. It is a short film. It is a terrifying and beautiful short film by Aphex Twin. So Chris, uh, oh. yeah, Chris Cunningham. Oh. It is great time. Okay. Especially at its time, too. At the time, it was like, what the heck? Was yeah. It's like, I don't know, 2005 or something? Yeah, it was something it's like a, that. Just a rough estimate. I but. feel like I probably have seen something from it, but I just don't know it. It was originally supposed to be a shorter, like a like a clip, like a three-minute long music video or something, but they decided to make it into like a 16-minute short film. It is unnerving. Yeah. I will say that. Ooh. And the music sequences are sweet. That's like, that's yep. like the best like form of horror is like the nerve unnerving. Horror. Yep. Yeah, I agree. That's what Outlast kind of I think gets at. Yeah. Sometimes I mean there we'll talk about this, but yeah. there's sometimes where it's pretty cheap jump scares, but mm-hmm. like there's a lot of unnerving stuff too. So yeah, so they drew uh, a bunch of <laughs> what was that? <laughs> they drew a bunch of inspiration from Rubber Johnny for sure, but other places, of course, when it comes to gameplay. Amnesia, The Dark Descent, has to be mentioned. I think this was the first of its kind, if I'm not mistaken, the first of its kind to be a horror game, no combat at all, right? No weapons whatsoever. You just run away from the thing that's chasing after you. And so that's what they said. We wanted the gameplay to be like this. We want the player to have no way to defend themselves besides just running away and hiding. And so that was one of the big inspirations. Additionally... Half-Life, because they mentioned about how in one particular moment of Half-Life, if you've ever played, you know that in the beginning it seems like, oh, okay, this is fine, I'm a scientist, whatever, and suddenly, boom, crap hits the fans, and then all of a sudden, like, you just have to survive somehow with this crazy interdimensional thing that just happened, and all these creatures start popping out, and yeah, it's just a struggle. So they found a lot of inspiration in that as well. Now, at the time when this game was being made, 2013, or I guess... It was released in 2013. It was uh, it was more like 2012, like early 2012, I think, was when they were developing this. There was, of course, a surge in found footage horror movies, stuff like the Paranormal Activity series, for example. So they were pretty big at the time, so they thought, hey, maybe we can incorporate this into some games. Let's see what happens. And so the last important part of their inspiration was deciding how to make the patients of the asylum that you visit as a journalist in this game, how to make the patients themselves look. So they did a whole bunch of research into a lot of the human experimentation programs in real life, like MKUltra, real life stuff. Uh, they did a lot of research into that to make sure that it's it's fairly accurate portrayal of what could happen and probably did happen to a lot of real human beings in like the 40s and 50s. Ugh. Yeah terrifying stuff now one of the things that was interesting about this once they decided on the game once they decided on the gameplay how they were going to go about it and all that they needed to find funding so this is always a struggle for 
up and coming, uh, especially split off sort of companies. We so they about- use Kickstarter. So they use Kickstarter. <laughs> hey, there it is. No, they did not use Kickstarter. That was something that's very <laughs> successful for some companies, right? Like Pillars of Eternity from uh, Obsidian, Obsidian Entertainment. But no, they were trying to get some other bigger investors in the title. And they didn't find a whole lot of funding for this self-described single-player action-adventure game with production that resembled a AAA title, but it wasn't actually a AAA title because it didn't need hundreds of millions of dollars. So in all in all, because they quit their jobs, that means that they went without salary for 18 months. Okay, Can you imagine having not just yourself, but families, and saying, I'm going to quit my job, I'm going to take the next year and a half to try and hopefully get some funding for my crazy idea. Let's see if we survive. A year and a half. Now, is that a year and a half of constant working on this game? Or it took a year and a half because they weren't getting funding, so they had to just do whatever free time they had to make the game? Because I'm wondering if like, if they had the funding, would they finish it in six months? Or, or were they just sure. full on on this game, like, you know having to survive on their spouse's uh, income. Sure. I, I, I think it's actually closer to the latter, to be honest. I think wow. that it was closer to the latter because they didn't no, have the funding to out. pay anyone else. So it's the three of them that said, okay, well, we can do so much, but we can't do everything about this game necessarily, especially with how they wanted it to look. They wanted mm-hmm. it to be a AAA title, basically. So they, yeah, I know that they worked on it some, but like a lot of that time was spent trying to just find someone to invest a significant amount of money into them to try and get it published. And yeah, they relied a lot on personal loans. They relied a lot on credit card, like max out credit cards. And that's pretty much how this thing got funded. Um, be- well, sounds like more partly. torture than the game. It's, yeah. And it's real good real life experience. <sighs> they put all their pain into the video game. They really did. Put their pain in the game. <laughs> Push your pain in the it's game. It's all a metaphor of EA trying to chase them down. <laughs> oh, it hurts. I, I bet like half of, half of them. I bet, <laughs> I bet they were like, they turn around and they're like, oh, you just canceled a process. Like, oh, darn. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, darn. So eventually they found an investor. And using their personal savings, using some of those loans that I mentioned, maxed out credit cards and all that, they were able to drop a total of $1.36 million Mountie Bucks. 1.36 million maple syrup dollars. <laughs> Yum. <laughs> Yum. To create the title, of which they used up nearly every bit of all of their funds. Now, one of the things about the game to develop, something that I haven't really thought about when it comes to all of the scary games that we've talked about this month, much of the game was actually very tough to design because horror as a genre relies a lot on not knowing what's going to be coming up next. It's all about kind of that surprise, right? And so when it comes to playtesting, when it comes to seeing with what players, how they react to certain things, you can't really do it over and over again very effectively. You can't just give this to this to the same player over and over again and say, okay, well, how do you feel about this? You know, like monitor their heart rate. Did you get scared again? Yeah, exactly. When when I was playing the game, there were a few moments where I kept dying. And they have to induce amnesia to all the people testing the game. Oh, <laughs> they have to test on people. Exactly. <laughs> they have to build their own video game asylum. Yep. To- Dang. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that was the case, but that'd be pretty neat if it was, and unethical. Uh, <laughs> Hey, it doesn't mean it has to be a bad thing. <laughs> Pretty sure it's probably. <laughs> I mean, there are chemicals that induce amnesia. That's that's part of what, like, when you put you under a general anesthetic, it's sure part of it is amnesia. So, dang. 
Wisdom teeth. <laughs> Wisdom teeth. So by tweaking the game from various comments from like PAX East attendees and other players of their demos, they were able to construct something that is truly, if you ask me, sufficiently terrifying. Such that, interestingly enough, when they gave the full game to a tester eventually for, for like an external playthrough, she actually had to stop playing after 40 minutes because it was just too stressful. She felt too anxious playing this game. Hmm. Now, hmm. I love the reaction. Red Barrels was like, dude, this is great. This is exactly what we're going for. We spooked her out of her mind, basically. Now, how? I'm, I'm, maybe I'm going to have it myself a little bit. How scary do you feel this guy's... How, how scary do you feel this game is, guys? Like 1 to 10 or any sort of like comparison to other things that you've experienced that are terrifying? For m- I feel like for somebody that has no idea what they're walking into, yeah. this game's like pretty scary. Like this game's like pretty up there. It's not like, oh my God, like I can't breathe. Like, But there's something about it that even if it's not like necessarily spooking, there is something that like exhausts you about playing this game. Not in like a negative way, like in a very like jarring way. Mm. Like the gameplay and like, like you feel like as soon as you walk into the game, like you're invested. Like it's something you have to be invested in. Mm. So I'd say like in that way, like, like I know you're probably going to bring this up later, but immersion is like the whole thing of this game. And I feel like that in itself is what makes it scary. Immersion. Good. I like that. Alex. I would say from one to ten, maybe. Oh yeah, I didn't use the skills. <laughs> You're too point. good for skills. Too good. Maybe system. like a six or a seven. Okay. Like I was expecting much worse. There were. It was definitely creepier than a lot of other games because of just how grotesque and mm. kind of like Bioshock it was, where they had like the experimented, you know, like lesions and like stitching and stuff, and um, but um, and some of the chase things, like really, it's like you know are are pretty scary they they heighten your your um adrenaline mm-hmm. and then there are certain spots in the game that also are just like like torture like physically and also emotionally or you just you're just kind of like uh like you I don't know just a different way i'm more of like a psychological like silent hill kind of uh sure. scary i really like those yeah, cuz it's just are... like it really like makes you feel like you're crazy or any type of mental stuff which this kind of goes into but um, yeah, I, I would say like it wasn't as spooky as I was anticipating it to be. Okay. All right. And after after a couple of like chases, you kind of my brain switched to like gameplay mode where it's like, okay, this is my objective, and so it was less. I, I guess because it's more predictable. Once you have to restart an area and come back and do it again, it's uh, it kind of lessens its intensity. But sure. the story was definitely intriguing enough where you'd want to continue playing on, learn more about it, and what all is going on and what's going to happen true 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 for sure so would you say uh that they were successful in making a scary game though yes yeah is that yeah, 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 yeah. yeah <laughs> they yeah, can't yeah. hear you not on the yeah yeah <laughs> definitely i yeah. thought i made that clear no it's <laughs> <laughs> all right so yeah all in all it was a pretty terrifying game and red barrels was excited because they seemed to strike right where they wanted to they seemed to get people struck with PSTD, PTSD, sorry. Right. <laughs> and PSTD. You know, send a lot of people to therapists. Yes, which is which is good. Remove that stigma. Everyone should go to the therapist. This is true. Now, when it is eventually released on PC, they found that they needed to take basically every single bit of their sales to just fund their DLC that they had planned. 
and eventually their console port. Basically, they took all that money and they were still kind of like without salary. <laughs> Dang, those guys are dedicated. <laughs> they are dedicated. So they were looking, see, they wanted to make this into a franchise. And to do so, they knew that they needed as many people to have eyes on their product as possible. And that's why they said, okay, we have to have some console ports. Limiting to just a PC is not gonna, it's not gonna pan out. And so this led them to taking a gamble and they released the product, they released Outlast on Sony's subscription service, the PlayStation Plus service. And they made it as a free-to-play game for one month. Okay? So this was its debut on the PlayStation. It was only on PlayStation at this point, uh, in addition to PC. Now this, combined with all the YouTubers and streamers that were latching onto the title with their streams and with their Let's Plays and, and all that. And that was like, it was like hot at that moment. Yeah, it was. I remember when Outlast came out, like, that was just when people were like, I can react to like horror and like trailers and like all that stuff. And then it was like perfect for the moment. I think that's probably like a big reason why of the success as well. But look, look at that. That's true. Yeah. I don't think that there was too many other well-known horror movie or horror games at the time that were being streamed. This was like, yeah. And it was lashed onto the big ones. People like PewDiePie, people like Markiplier, yeah. right? They were the ones who we're jumping into this product and, and we're just like, this is a scary I game. I feel like a lot of independent games like have a lot to owe to like streamers and like stuff like that because yeah. it, it is like part of their promotion. And I think like it's so ingrained now and it's only been like what, like three years, four, well, probably like five years, I'd say. Since half a decade, five years. About half a decade since like it's been ingrained that just like video games and YouTube it's like Let's Plays have been like a thing. Like I remember when they were still called like Let's Plays and now it's like just we're going to like play this game and like stream. it's yeah, it's just stream or like like watch me play a walkthrough like, you know. Sure. But when it was like Let's Play blah blah, blah like I remember that was like yeah. weird at that time and now it's just like everywhere. It's everywhere. It's everywhere now and Twitch was bought by Amazon for a billion dollars like Dang. That's a lot of money to invest in. The world's going to be owned by three companies. I'm calling it now. Yeah. Google, Amazon, Disney. Too real. That's the horror of this episode here. Oh, jeez. So Outlast came out, PlayStation Plus, free to play game for a month. Bunch of streamers latched onto it. Saw a lot of people interested in the game at that point. Now, sales weren't through the roof. Well, if it's free to play. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) I guess that. Fine, okay. Post one month free to play, it wasn't through the roof, but <laughs> what they found was that they had consistency and it has actually maintained itself through 2013. There are still moments where Outlast actually outperforms Outlast 2 because of sales. And yeah, still to this day, they see a bunch of spikes. Now, this is not to say that the game is flawless or perfect. Now, we're going to be talking about some of the weaker points later on as well. But the point is that the developers recognize that. And due to the time constraints, due to their limited staff that they could have at the time, there were some areas where they had to cut some corners. And for one, for example, are some of the bugs. Now, I don't know if Sparspire was watching it. I think you were at the time. But there was a moment near the end of the game where I walked through a character. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Bugs are still present. No, I'm, just, I'm kidding. No, no. <laughs> yeah, what? No way. What if you're like, what? No. <laughs> totally changed my life right now. No, no, no. It's There, there are still some bugs. Um, but more prominently, the developers recognize that the ending was kind of lacking. And this is in part why they decided to make this whistleblower DLC and not fall into that same pit that they did with their sequel, Outlast 2. Outlast 2 has a, has a ending that is not... 
as it's not the same as Outlast one. I'll say that. Shrug. I'll say. You haven't seen that yet, but we'll we can talk about it in a future episode, I'm sure. So that is just going to be about it for the development section. It's about it that I want to talk about. Story. Anything you guys wanted to touch on? Anything you guys found in your research? I don't know. You're That's the, fair. You're the research man. <laughs> Thank you. you Thank are you. The research man. I'm proud to be the research man. I for I forgot that because you mentioned uh, just how like people were getting freaked out. I remember it had something similar to like uh, not like. I don't know if like it or if that's like the right thing, but it had that it had that whole like culture of like this is the scariest game you will ever play. <laughs> I remember that was like the thing when it came out. That's funny, and that like just grabbed everybody, now especially my, on the interwebs. My question is, why aren't you ever using that voice on your real radio show? Because I'm DJ Sparspar. That is such a good voice. You should consider it, my friend. I should. <laughs> All right, let's jump into that music again. We've talked all about the history and development. Let's listen to some of the great soundtrack from Samuel Laflamme. We're going to listen to Swarm Ambience. Ooh, Swarm Ambience. And then later on, we're going to listen to a couple of tracks from the stealth portions of the game. Stealth. Stealth Part 1, Stealth Part 2. Stealth. <laughs> if you want to call in 949-824-5824-949-UCI-KUCI, of course, you can find us on the web as well, KUCI.org, streaming 24 hours a day, seven days a week. We have a variety of different social media outlets. Check out Facebook.com or Twitter.com slash LagLifeRadio. Instagram is at DJ double underscore Marmar. You can go to the Twitch page, twitch.tv slash DJ single underscore Marmar, where I stream on Sundays and Wednesdays from 8 to 10-ish at night. Pacific Standard Time. And then finally, our playlist page is lagradio.kuci.org. All right, we are Lag Radio. My name is Marvin the Midboss. I'm joined by Alex. Hello, Alex. And also Spar Spar. And we will see you in just a little bit. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Lag Radio here with me, Marmar the Midboss, as well as Spar Spar. Hello. And hello, Alex. Yo. <laughs> we are talking Outlast this evening. We just got done listening to three, actually four songs. In fact, they're very, very quick ones. We listened to Stealth's Part One, Two, and Three most recently, and uh, before that one, at the top of the set was Swarm Ambience. Ambience. The songs are mostly like atmospheres, so that's why they're short. Definitely, they kind of play interspersed. Absolutely, definitely the case. Uh, we are done talking about history and development, so let's talk about some of that story. Let's get oh. into that. It's oh. all right. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I like the tempered reaction. Yeah, it's good, good to balance it out. So first off, what is the origin of the game? What is the starting? Well, we are a journalist. Miles Upshur is his name. Freelance journalist, in fact. And we are driving. In just like this middle of nowhere, sort of very, uh, it's like just past twilight time, so it's really dark, but you can still kind of see the sun at one point, just a tiny hint of it. But we're driving down this pathway into the middle of nowhere mountains, where there exists a building. It is a remote psychiatric hospital slash mental asylum in Colorado, and we were tipped off by a whistleblower. (sighs) the DLC. That's the thing. Uh, We were tipped off by a whistleblower about some kind of cover-up conspiracy, some sort of human experimentation I think was hinted at. 
something wrong. Something is going wrong at this asylum. And we go in to investigate. Now, upon his arrival, Miles finds that the hospital, the mental asylum slash hospital, is seemingly abandoned. There's really, like, no one around at all. You drive up to the uh, guard post, no one there. You walk through a gateway that leads you to the main courtyard, no one around. You look at the home itself, or I guess not home, but building itself. You do see the hint of a shadow in one of the windows. Ha! But just kind of like, you see a bit of it, and then just runs away. Well, and you see a lot of, you see a couple tanks, too. So, yeah, something's going on. there happen to be a couple of tanks in the front. That's a good point. I forgot about that. Yeah, just you a little. You just miss the <laughs> minor things. tanks in the beginning of the front yard. Yeah, who knows what the crap that's going on there, but. Let's not talk about that. That's fine. It's, it's irrelevant. <laughs> so. You're, you're the one trying to cover up this. <laughs> yeah, it's irrelevant. How dare it's, you? It's not important. <laughs> doesn't look like anything to me. Uh, so the door to the front I- entry is locked. Miles finds the door is locked. And so, of course, as any good investigative journalist will do, he finds a route up the side with some scaffolding and does some hardcore parkour. Hardcore parkour. And, yep. he, <laughs> and he breaks into private property. And breaks into private property. Of course, that's what I would do, wouldn't there you? There were periods of the game where I was like hoping to like, I could run and then press space and like do some parkour, but it doesn't <laughs> allow you. You just have to go up to it and then press space. So right, right, right. Yeah. You mentioned that and it made me think like, oh man, that would that would make the game so much more... Probably sure. less spooky, but <laughs> some, some kind fluid. of mirror's edge thing. I was gonna yeah. say, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just like slide under the sure mirror's edge. <laughs> so from here, he he enters a window on the third floor of the building, and he slinks around in this dark, quiet asylum. So everything again, still abandoned, no one around except he does catch glimpses once again of some figures, perhaps potentially escaped patients. Perhaps if you zoom in. Because you do have, of course, you're a journalist, so you can't just walk in with a pen and pad of paper. You do, you, but also, you do. also a camera. Also a camera, a camera quarter. Yes, not just a photographic camera, but a video camera. And so you're able to use that to videotape the whole thing. You plan on exposing this conspiracy with video evidence. So you're able to use that camera to zoom in on some of these spooky patients that seem to be like running away every now and again, just trying to... As well as get yeah. your own notes written down, because that's how you get them is by filming what's going on around you, and then he'll, your character will write a note, and you can check and see what uh, true, what more he knows than you do. As true, yeah, or how he's feeling. Give it gives us a little bit of an insight into his feelings. So, as he progresses through this upper level of the asylum, he starts to find blood, starts to find bodies, and at one point. He enters into this very dark room. In the corner is <laughs> a security guard, maybe a SWAT team member. I don't know. He's dressed up as some sort of officer, but he has been impaled by some kind of pole. And somehow he is still alive. And he warns you, he says, get out of here. And he expires. Like any good officer would say. Of course. Yeah, that's that's it. Basically, he just he was able to stay alive until just you arrive, and then. <laughs> all right. He's like. Meanwhile, I don't know if you guys noticed this, but there are heads of all the soldiers laying sitting on the uh, shelves. Which yes, is pretty good touch. Oh, yeah. That was true. Yes, I did notice that. It's... With a pile of their corpses as well, so it's yeah. Yep, no big deal. A lot of a lot of detail in this game. That's very good. 
Yeah, I was gonna say he stayed alive just enough time for him to go. Tow my tank in the front yard. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want a parking ticket. <sighs> yeah. So he is impaled and he says, get out of here. And you're like, well, I guess I'm going to get out of here. So you start slipping around and trying to find a route to, I don't know, the front door or, or the further into the asylum or further into the asylum. <laughs> I guess you slip in between some bookshelves when this huge, big steroid ridden buff dude with apparently no nose. A buff dude? I think he's buff as crap, dude. You think he's what? No, I don't mean he's not buff. I just mean like, dude? He's a monster! He is pretty much a monster. <laughs> he's not a dude. He's he's pretty much a monster. It's true. Yeah, he is He is massive. Almost as massive as Shadow of the Colossus. He, he is... <laughs> hey. <laughs> uh, he is a... Uh, this kind of a development thing, but I remember when the demo had come out, he mm. was kind of the like assumed protagonist or antagonist of sure. this game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, which was what people had anticipated, which listening to the rest of the story will actually like bring up some other news, but Sure. Yeah. But I remember he was like the like, oh my god, like that's who you have to like get past. I think in the original trailer though, he wasn't gigantic, buff, crazy, big. He was he was skinnier. He still oh. looked similar in the sense of like his garb and all that. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, in the original trailer, I think he was just a, a smaller guy. Oh. Interestingly enough. They had to but make yeah. him bigger. They did. They had to make him more intimidating. So he turns out to be a former security guard at the asylum. His name is Chris Walker. Now, what was the guy's uh, name from born. Spec Ops <laughs> The Line? What was his name? Yeah. Ah. It was Walker. Texas Ranger, <laughs> uh, the main your main uh, dang yeah you're right oh man I was thinking like, episode oh, is two he making a, an appearance on, on <laughs> perhaps this game is Walker perhaps yes. dang 17 weeks ago we covered Spec Ops it's been yep. a while it's been a while so this Chris Walker fellow picks you up calls you a little pig what a rude dude and he throws you out the second among floor window things. to the gr- among other things yeah. and then chucks you out of the window to the ground. So, wham, land on your back. You are just this journalist dude. And somehow your camera survives this. It's fine. Don't worry about it. It's fine. It's made by, uh, it's, it's got Gorilla Glass or something. Your, <laughs> your camera's invincible. It's you, pretty much. Your camera's not scared at all. Nope. It's just you. <laughs> it's just you. And so your vision starts to blur. You're kind of like, uh, what is my back? Uh. And then suddenly a priest-looking fellow pops up. Priest-looking fellow? He looks like a priest. Is he not a priest? I think he is. His name is Father Martin. And he says that you are a new apostle. (gasps) You've been brought to this asylum as a new apostle. He's glad that you're not dead, and he compels you to push forward so that you can fulfill some sort of revelation or something. And you're like, what? Yeah, pretty much. It's very unclear. You're kind of like hazy. You just gotten thrown out a window. Uh, Whatever. He refers to you as as the witness. The witness. Thank you. Yes, the witness. And so from there, you need to find a way out because you know what? Screw that, dude. (laughs) No way. I'm not going to deal with that stuff. And so you try and find a way out through the main doors as you originally look to seek entrance. But just as you do, priest shuts down the entire electricity in the place. Priest. I like how you call him priest. The priest. The father. Judas priest turns into (laughs) (laughs) Father Martin shuts down the entire electricity so that you are not able to open up the doors in the security control room. 
Now, of course, at this point, you have to restore some electricity because you need to get out through that front door. But you also need to start hiding from Chris Walker because he's going to start stalking you. There's a moment where you are in the control room and you are just about to open up the main doors and you hear like the stomping or whatever of Chris, right? Mm-hmm. You're like, you hear the stomping and then he starts banging on the door. Inside of the security room, there is a locker and the tooltip comes up that says, press X to hide. <laughs> like, or no, it says something like- Or square you, if you're playing PlayStation or there like <laughs> left, left click if you're uh, playing the PC. But sure, always press circle. <laughs> <laughs> But ignore all that. Ignore all that. <laughs> I no. wanted to make a point that like one thing of the game that I really liked more than anything else was the foley work. It was incredible. The what? The foley work, like the foot, the the footsteps, the um, like mm-hmm. oh, like sure. like things hitting other things. Like it sounded very realistic. Like the like, water drips. <laughs> yeah, they didn't sound like looped or because usually I can tell in games like when a, a sound effect is repeated, and then it just kind of loses all of its realness. But this game has such good foley work of just like hands touching um, like materials or hitting do- boards and stuff. It was just it was incredible. Sure, the sound design is incredible in this game. That's a good point. Yeah, I was definitely going to touch on the sound design a little bit later too, for sure. But that's it's as relevant now as it would be later on, for sure. It's not just enough to have a decent. Oh, soundtrack. I see. You have it in the soundtrack section. I was looking for a sound. That's section, all right. No. Yeah. <laughs> No problem. A little ahead of ourselves. That's okay. No, yeah, it's true, though. Yeah, the sound. Because you, when you go up against a wall and you can peek around the corner, and when you do, like, you have your hand gripping yeah. the corner, too, and you can hear that. That's true. And you have limited viewing as well. Of mm-hmm. uh, This is, again, part of the gameplay section we'll probably talk about. But, um, yeah, so, like, if you're, like, crawling on the side of, like, a building or whatever, you can only look so far down. You can't look all around like your head's turning crazy angles. Right. Um, or like if you're peeking over the edge, you can peek over, kind of look over at your hand and your arm and stuff like that. Like, yeah, a lot of the realism and the details make this game. When you're hiding underneath the bed, you can only turn it so far. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. You can't always see exactly everything. <sighs> so good. So good. So Chris Walker starts stalking you in the hallways. You hide inside of a locker inside of the room, the control room. You'll get very familiar with the lockers and the beds. Oh, yeah. They're your best friends. And so once he opens up one of the lockers right next to you, of course, you're like, oh, no, he's coming. He's going to give me. And then he just walks away and stalks away and goes to the left instead. And you get to race out of that locker, hustle to the right, and get the crap out of there into an elevator, if I'm not mistaken. I think you take the elevator at this point. Uh, basically, you just try and find a way out of this hellhole. That's that's your main goal here because you are like, you know what? There's probably a story. I, I don't care about the story now. My life is in danger. So, see ya. So, when you are just about to escape the premises, you get injected. You get stabbed by a syringe from Father Martin. And you awaken in a padded room. And this is something I actually didn't expect. I didn't see this like yeah. sudden change of scenery real quick. I thought it was like, all right, this is going to be our hub. Kind of like how Gone Home was. It was like, all right, this is our hub. We're just going to go to different areas and then come back to kind of the center and then go off to a different area and go back to the center. No, you just like get transplanted into a different area completely. And so Father Martin injects you with the sleepy serum so that you can't escape. You make it sound so cute. I know. I know. Sleepy serum. Sleepy serum. <laughs> sleepy time tea. Uh... <laughs> 
And no, you so you wake up in this prison-esque portion that just looks awful. Every, all these padded rooms everywhere. There's other patients that are around that are just banging their heads on walls. They're screaming. They're pacing back and forth. They're just looking generally awful. And they clearly have been experimented on as well. They're not just normal human beings with a couple of abrasions here and there. No. Some of them have no mouths. Yeah, they, they look like burn victims. Like yeah. They, you can, mm. Like they're one step away from just being a skull. Yeah. They're pretty True. creepy. True. Just a bunch of sewn up portions of them so that they don't bleed out, I imagine, or anything. Really, really just horrible, horrific stuff. And none of them seem to really pay too much mind to you. I mean, they'll they'll talk, right? They'll speak at you a little bit. They'll say they're Most of them are talking stuff. to themselves or talking to like another being and True. just or like a wall. Or a wall. Yeah. yeah, exactly. But there's a couple of them that do definitely recognize you and do have some words to share. And Those that two. adds to it also, I think. That yeah. Not everyone knows that you're there, so you kind of have to figure out, okay, what who's actually recognizing me or who's talking to themselves? Yep. There are the twins. You reach uh, a portion where there's a, there's a gate in front of you. There's no way for you to open it. Apparently, they can't open it either. But these two tall, not buff as like the monster Chris Walker is, but two tall beings Muscly each one guys. yeah tweedle tweedledee tweedle dong dong i can't take i can't take credit for that one that was one of that's, my my watchers on uh, twitch that's good but, well, at least you give credit where credit's due yes Man, that's that that's was a good, good one i know i should have thought of that one too no they are completely unclothed they're completely naked <laughs> and you can see them in their glorious buff nudeness uh <laughs> should you should you wish to yes these twins and they're just like Basically, they're just saying we're going to get you. We'll give you a little head start. In like to run. detail they're, too, they're like t- they're like claiming different organs of you. Yeah, and, I get yeah, the liver, good. and I get the lips, or something like. They're like, yeah. oh my, oh, I'm trying to remember like what that's like. I feel like there's something like oh oh Lord of the Rings. Hmm. Remember uh, when uh, when Pippin and uh, Brandywine? No, Pippin. Marion Pippin. Mar- uh, Marion. Mer- yeah. Mary, Mary, yeah, Mary, Mary. Poppins. Remember when they're like when they <laughs> Mary get Pop- <laughs> Mary, Mary Poppins? <laughs> Remember when they get uh, kidnapped by those two uh, orcs and then? Oh sure. Like, I want the blue. Oh okay, yeah, yeah, and yeah. Like, and they're like, that's that's the. Twist. I guess so they also true. drew inspiration from Lord of the Rings. Is what yes. you're saying? Ah, clearly, exactly. yeah, it definitely comes through. Clearly, in Montreal is fascinated with Lord of the Rings. Fascinated, <laughs> yes, of course. So yeah, so there's these twins, and uh, they want to kill you, and they also have no clothes, and nor will they find any throughout a, the entirety of the game. I will tell you that. Now, I think this is as good of any time to take a short break. So let's listen to some more music. Let's listen to Stealth Part Four. Finish up the quadrilogy of Stealth, and uh, get into some Prison Run. We'll also listen to the song Brothers appropriately. Brothers, brother, and uh, we'll listen to the Male Ward Chase as well. So, if you want to call in 949-824-5824, 949-UCI-KUCI, of course, you can talk to us. You can uh, give us some feedback, some constructive criticism. Criti- criticism is what I mean, not criticism. And, uh, yeah, you can also call in later on to win our giveaway for a Murkoff Corporation shirt. It's got the logo for the Murkoff Corporation on there. If you want something a little more subtle, a little more low-key to share your love for Outlast, 
then you'll want to win this a little bit later on. So make sure you take down that number 949-UCI-KUCI. Also find us on the web, facebook.com slash lagliferadio, twitter.com slash lagliferadio. Of course, our Instagram at DJ double underscore Marmar, twitch.tv slash DJ single underscore Marmar, streaming Sundays and Wednesdays from 8 to 10-ish p.m. at night. And finally, lagradio.kuci.org for all things playlist, past, present, and future. And with that, we're going to bid you adieu for just a short moment. Thank you so much for listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. My name is Marmar the Midboss. I'm joined by Sparspar and hello, Alex. And we are Lag Radio. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. My name is Marmar the Midboss. I'm joined by hello, Alex and Hi. Sparspar. <laughs> hello. <laughs> and we are talking about Outlast. So we are part way through the story. We just were talking about the twins that we encountered. And now we're going to do a little bit of a fast forward, right? So we're going through, we're exploring, we're able to find a way out of this kind of uh, prisony sort of padded room area because there's like a hole in the wall in one of the rooms, which is very hard for me to find, actually. I was like going room to room just trying to hunt down. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I just couldn't figure it out for for the life of me for a little bit, but eventually, uh, eventually I found it. Now, really quickly though, Sparspar, how um, how difficult was it for you finding some of the places to to go? Like, how how many times did you find like you were just stuck on? I guess this kind of a puzzle ish thing. Um. I don't know. I'm a cheater, and I like to use walkthroughs. But in this circumstance, boo. I feel like yeah, I know boo me. There's a this is the right season for it. It is the right booing. <laughs> <laughs> um, are you still are we still in the Luigi's Mansion game? Um, <laughs> are you um, King Boo Marmar? Hey, <laughs> that should be your new DJ name. Um, I don't know. It's kind of like one of those things that I feel like it kind of lets you navigate like freely, but like you kind of just like come across stuff and you're like, Oh, this looks kind of like important. And then you just kind of like go for it. I don't know. It's, it's like not linear where it's like boring, but it's also like not like super like puzzling. Hmm. There's like definitely a problem. The only, the only thing that I had a problem with was, um, in the sewers when I was when you had to make that jump because I did it a couple times I didn't make it and I'm like okay maybe this isn't the right way but oh okay all right so it, it wasn't is. so much like a puzzly sort necessarily but I, I just... wasn't really lost I mean I was lost briefly but I wasn't like I need to look up something to to get through except for that part which I was like okay I feel like I'm doing something wrong uh, I, I don't know if I'm I have to do a run jump and they didn't really show like a mechanic of I mean, they kind of did like, hey, if you're at the ledge, you can jump over to the other one. But I ne- didn't make it the two times I did to mm. the ladder. So I felt like, okay, maybe I'm doing something wrong. But yeah, no, I didn't have, I didn't get lost much. Um, and uh, eventually found places where, you know, progressed the story. I feel like the weirdest ones, like, and you'd think they're like pretty obvious, but like the weirdest ones that like I'd like look over are like when there was like a vent or like oh, yeah. okay, when yeah, you yeah, had yeah. to like squeeze through something. Sure. And you were like, uh, and then you saw, and you're like, oh, yeah. <laughs> you just like go through. <laughs> but like, other than that, like, I don't know. I, I mean, you probably got like a sense of exploration from going through like every room. And sometimes there's just like bathrooms. <laughs> sometimes there are bathrooms. Just, like, 
yeah, but that's the fun of not, like grabbing a battery and like yeah. oh, you gotta get those like, batteries. They're not, use, they're not very useless. Like you'll find someone that has some type of dialogue or monologue, and then you'll find batteries and stuff. So you're you're not really wasting time. It's just it adds also to the creepiness. Yeah. yeah. Or there's one spot this guy's like following behind you. He's all wrapped up and. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> just, there like, was that. I think you were watching when I was so happening unnerving. Too. Like that's my favorite stuff. Yeah. It's just like, uh, just like, like is he gonna do something or is he just following me? And it's just. <laughs> yep. Yep. It was exactly. So oh, it was terrible. There was one part near the near the end of the game too where I was just exploring. I think it was in the the women's ward or something, and I went down because it it had the exact same thing as like the main area where you go down into like a like a basement sort of attic or not attic but a basement sort of area, and room is completely pitch black. It's pretty open room. I find a document, but right there in the corner is just a person standing in, like, looking at the corner. They yeah. don't do anything. They just, they're just there. They're just there. That's why I was, like, talking to the wall. Like, they're just there. It's just oh, so, yeah, it's unnerving. Nice so creepy. Nice yeah, it's the details, the small details that make this game For real. very, like, different from other ones. So let's fast forward a little bit through a whole lot of running around, a whole lot of exploration, a whole lot of trying to not get killed by a bunch of dudes. By old Walker. By old Walker and some of his, <laughs> More like one of his pals. <laughs> Got him. <laughs> nice. You reach a point eventually where you are sprinting away from a whole bunch of bad folks when a seemingly normal sounding voice invites you into a dumbbell waiter because you apparently don't sound like one of the others, according to him. Yeah, it's a little mind game. Hmm, all right. And so you're like, well, maybe I got a pal then. So you jump into this dumbbell waiter. You get taken up through the shaft. And at the top awaits a Dr. Richard Trigger, who, of course, drugs you as well. He sits you in a wheelchair, carts you off into an operating room. He he, he beats you, boy. He From the second yeah, that thing opens up, he's just like... Boom! And that's you're like, true. oh, you're not a friend. But he also straps you in a wheelchair, so yeah. you cannot escape. Yeah, that's who. You have no chance. Mm-hmm. Nope. And he just kind of carts you around, and you get to see a bunch of his other patients apparently just squirming around on beds and... Telling you to kill them. Yeah. So. Not only do you see his patients, but you see his fabulous booty. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> Thanks for that, yes. Another glorious moment of uh, nakedness. <laughs> yes, he is wearing a surgeon's apron, and that's about all he got. So you do get to zoom in on that sculpted, oh, chiseled buttocks. Oh, I zoom in. <laughs> oh, uh, you missed out that. You didn't get the whole experience. You're going to have to go back. Oh, shoot. Marmar. <laughs> <laughs> so at this one point when he brings you into the operating room, he decides, well, I'm going to take these giant pair of scissors or whatever, like more like hedge clippers yeah, in a way. hedge clippers. And uh, I'm just going to cut off some of your fingers. And so he does. Yeah. That's just, like the yep. first like, what is happening? Yeah, yeah. That was like the For first real. like, this is like more than just spooky jump scares. <laughs> this is like something. Yeah, because it's entirely. kind of like the same all the way up to that point. And then it just deviates and you're like okay what am i in for now yeah it's a little bit more intense (laughs) you're in trouble so you get a missing index finger off your right hand you get a ring finger missing off your left and then he just leaves you leaves you to uh bleed out leaves you to throw up in shock leaves you to just (laughs) your own devices i remember when you were playing and you're like oh you're like i just kind of want to throw up now and then he's like (laughs) yeah and then he throws up and you're like yep (laughs) yep yep, yep, (laughs) exactly exactly (laughs) exactly imagine playing this game in vr (laughs) 
That's like the biggest thing. And like he forces. I lasted VR though. No, not VR. <laughs> no, I do not want to play any horror game in VR. No, I kind of do just to know. Oh, I but feel like this game. Would, I think any game. Google like, Earth and VR. This is, is another subject for another day, VR. but essentially, like a lot of horror game makers had to realize that they have to tone down their game a whole bunch for VR True. because it will traumatize people. So. True. Like it's still being worked on. <laughs> isn't there? I know it's like kind of off topic, but isn't there like a VR game where you're like in a car, and like you're driving and you're like driving away from people? It's a very simple game, but like, I haven't heard of that. I may and have actually seen this. Yeah. Yeah. You're like in the middle of nowhere. You drive by a building, and then like people start chasing you. Oh wow! But it's like a VR game. It's very creepy. Yeah. It's really good. I feel like I've seen something about this too. Yeah. So. You must escape Traeger's nightmarish operating rooms at this point. So you're able to bust out of your cuffs somehow. I think you just like wiggle the joystick in my case or probably the mouse. You could have done that any sooner. Nope. No, of course not. No. In his weakened state, he is able to somehow bust out just... Well, adrenaline. Yeah, that's true. You do get a lot of buffness when you're hyped up on (sighs) it. Yeah, it turns into the Hulk. As Traeger's not like really known for his good, well-strapped, you know patience i guess so and for the most part because a lot of his patients are tied down but yeah yeah yeah. so you bust out and you eventually find a way out like after traeger starts like hunting you down because he can he can hear you he can this is a you. very exciting like moment where you're going from room <laughs> to room trying to outwit traeger and like it was this it's was even stressful. creepier than being traced by walker yeah because walker like i mean i don't know it's kind of brutal when he catches you he will like tear off your head from your body but you don't very you don't see it that well but with trigger you've seen like evidence of like what he's done and like with all the other patients so it's a little adds to the creepiness a bit oh yeah and he's still like we said he's he's not and, as buff but he's tall and he's still very intimidating and he looking. toys with you too it's yeah. not like a mm. like mind games and stuff yeah it's oh, it makes me oh <laughs> man i want to okay okay but yeah, so it's a it's a very good sequence, and uh, eventually you do find an elevator that you're able to take. Luckily, so you escape via the elevator, but unfortunately, Traeger is still trying to get at you. However, in his attempt to try and finally get you uh, back to the operating rooms, he becomes lodged in the doors of the elevator as <laughs> it slowly starts going down, and thus he is crushed to death. Got him. <laughs> One hundred <laughs> ways to die. <laughs> you haven't seen it. Press F. Yep. Done. So Traeger is done, though, at that point. You escape via a trapdoor at the top of the elevator, and you continue forward. Now, uh, let's listen to some more music, though, before we continue on. I think this uh, is a fine spot. Thank you. It's going to get a whole lot. So we're going to listen to Surgeon Attack next. Very appropriate. Oh. oh. (laughs) Hey. Surgeon Attack? Yes, Surgeon Attack. And then we're going to listen to Pyromaniac. If you want to call in, 949-824-5824. Keep us company so we we aren't scared in the studio. We're scared. (laughs) It's dark in here. (laughs) Mario. Uh, Yeah, please. (laughs) 949-824-5824. Otherwise, find us on our various different socials, as I've mentioned before, kuci.org. You can check out lagradio.kuci.org on there and uh, follow me at all sorts of different social medias. In the meantime, though, thank you for listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. My name is Marmar the Midboss. I'm joined by Sparsparted. Hello, Alex. And we are Lag Radio. 
Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Lag Radio. Here with me, Marmar the Mid Boss. I'm joined by Sparse Bar, and hello, Alex. Hello. <laughs> uh, we are talking Outlast, and we are working our way through the story. We are just about close-ish to done. So, Father Martin, he's been pushing you forward. He's been saying stuff to you about how you're going to be the next host, how you're going to be the witness. He talks to you about the Wall Rider. He- who is apparently their new god who's been made tangible on earth is going to be used by you for some kind of revelation or something or other. We're not totally sure. It's kind of unclear. Uh, There's a lot of whole religious babble. It just, yeah, it's not super clear to you. But that's just the nature of how it is. Now, despite the twins working for Father Martin, apparently, somehow, for some reason, they still want you dead. And so a lot of the times you're running away from them or you're also running away from Chris Walker. Now, I wasn't totally sure. Do you think that... Was Chris Walker working for Father Martin? Mm, not sure. I don't I think he was. I think he's his own thing. I think he was his own thing, too. Yep. Yeah, I'm not totally sure. But definitely the twins did, because there's a sequence near the end uh, where they kind of interact. So, but before we get to that, though, important to note, though, is that through all, throughout all of this, you are reading notes, you're reading documents, about a project wall rider w-a-l-r-i-d-e-r and it's some kind of strange sciencey thing some sort of sciencey project that involved not brainwashing but imposing these extremely strenuous and horrible events upon the prisoners of the asylum in order to make the perfect human being yeah yeah very nazi-esque world war ii sort of thing Apparently, this supernatural being that Father Martin and the team pray to uh, is real. It is a real thing. But there's a more sciencey aspect to it, which we don't quite know at the time, but later on we do. Now, something that we do learn is that in, in order to make this being appear or whatever, uh, I guess you have to subject the person to various different trials. Like, you have to... You have to impose, like, physical pain. You have to terrify them. You have to have, like, psychological... You basically have to break them in every way possible. And that's the only way that this is going to work. Now, it is around this time that you do have a first-hand encounter with the Wall Rider. The Wall Rider. The Wall Rider. Some kind of black smoke monster, kind of like from the Lost TV show, (laughs) uh, seems to be capable of just, like, picking up a human being and ripping them into shreds or turning them into a big kind of cloud of blood. Splode them. Just splode them. You got it. Just a big bunch of splatter. It's wild. It's gruesome. It is gloriously scary. And it's awesome. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Such men, aren't we? Uh, So you progress through, and eventually you reach the turning point where you are led to a chapel. Now, this is the chapel where Father Martin... You finally come across him. He is hanging on a cross, almost like the Christ figure. And followers of his are gathered around him praying. There's people praying down the hallways in rooms of their own as well. They don't even notice you at all. They're just like praying against their beds. And the twins stand guard at the door leading into the chapel. Now, no one is attacking you during the sequence. Not even the twins. The twins are totally silent, even though they're right in front of you. Totally silent. And Father Martin says his piece. He says that before 
his life is extinguished, he's going to tell you to videotape all of it. Get it all on tape so that the whole world can know what transpired here. And at that point, one of his followers takes a torch and sets him aflame as a sacrifice. So you're basically told to leave at this point. You're thrown out, kind of. Like the twins were guarding the door that had closed behind you, and then they just open it up, and you get thrown out there. But, They're like, get out. Yeah, basically. And as soon as you do, Chris Walker's right there, too, and he <laughs> wants you still dead. He's stalking you around. So just as you're about to be murderized by Chris Walker in this final sequence with him, the wall rider just bursts out of nowhere, black mist and all, humanoid shape. Uh, <laughs> could be viewed, though, every now and again, like the in the scene, uh, Miles Upshur brings up his camera and has the night vision on, and you can see this humanoid-esque black figure. You jumped the gun. What? You have to go down first. What do you mean you have to go down? You didn't make it out yet. What? You said that you you said the wall rider, right? And no, whole... this is this is with Chris Chris Walker though. Yeah. This happens Wait. before you go down. Mm-mm. Oh You're yeah, already it does. down. No way. Mm-hmm. Alex, who just played the game? Who just played the you game? You just you have to go all the way down because that's where you see the wall rider for the first time. No, it's not. You've well, not like the that. first time, but like when you see it, like. And it actually becomes, like, an antagonist. Come on! (laughs) I don't know about this. I think we're getting our timelines mixed up, but I will say this. (laughs) I will say that Chris Walker wants you dead. I will say that the wall rider suddenly appears and picks up this guy. No big deal. Throws him around like a ragdoll. Beats him against, like, the, the walls and everything. And this guy... By the way, he is huge. He is, like... How how heavy would you estimate Chris Walker to be? Gauge him. Gauge him. How big? Three hundred. Like pounds wise. Three hundred. Three hundred? Three hundred. Three hundred. I would I would give him a three hundred. I would say so. He is he is tall and he is also just like he's a wall. Like, he's like um He's Bane. Heavy the heavy Bane. weapons guy from TF two. Heavy weapons guy. Heavy there you go. <laughs> he is like well, I, I think that Chris Walker didn't skip leg day like oh. Heavy did though. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Clearly needs to do more squatting. But very like no struggle. neck um Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Meat shield sort yes. of dude. Yeah, the wall rider just makes short work of this guy. Like NBD just throws him around and got him. Pff, done. So got him. There, there he is. Got him good. So you have the key to use the elevator to leave through the front doors. But somehow, magically, when you get into the elevator, it goes down to the first floor where the doors are, but then it keeps going. It keeps going down lower and lower and deeper until you reach corridors that are covered in white stone. Somehow this deep, they had constructed a laboratory for Project Wall Rider. You see these symbols on the wall and on the computer that you reach says Project Wall Rider. It's this weird kind of Celtic-looking symbol. And where they experimented on the patients and staff both, this is where they tried to create the perfect human being. You find that the lab is mostly abandoned except for one Dr. <laughs> Wernicke. Abandoned. <gasps> As if it was able to be abandoned. <laughs> I guess so. It was no. mutilated. <laughs> it was, It was. yeah, it was pretty destroyed. All the bodies everywhere, all of the blood and the entrails and just... You know, I don't know if you noticed it, but at the beginning when you get, when you get uh, like, the needle from the priest uh-huh. when you're at the computer, uh-huh. it shows that little laboratory area on the, like, right. screen. Right, yes, it does. And then That's you right. see it later. 
That's true because I remember that sequence where you see the SWAT team going in and then suddenly they they're just like flying stuff, through yeah. the air and there's nothing there. Like you don't know how it happened. There's some sort of telepathy. That's right because I remember in my stream I mentioned something about like it reminded me of the game's fear. The fear mm, games where yeah. it's just like what the telepathy what? Uh, yeah. So you come across Dr. Wernicke. He supposedly was dead but actually no. Apparently he's alive and he exists through this thick wall of glass. He's chilling. You're just chilling <laughs> in his in his wheelchair. He's just chilling. You speak to him and he discusses everything that he's done to create the Wall Rider, who was previously known as Billy. Billy, very intimidating name. <laughs> Which now, uh, I guess Billy slash the Wall Rider now sees Vernicky as his father because he created him pretty much. And this is why everyone was basically murdered in this lab besides Vernicky because he is the the Wall Rider's father. He's he may not be your father, boy. But he ain't your daddy. <laughs> he ain't your daddy. And Wernicke's last wish, he says, you must kill Billy. You must kill the wall rider. And this is where Kill Bill starts. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> so you need to free Wernicke from this hell where he is never able to die because the wall rider just won't let him leave and won't kill him. And so you have to go around the laboratory and you need to pull his uh, his like life support systems. Now, you finished the game, right, Alex? Yes. Okay. All right. So just making sure. Didn't want to spoil you in addition. But your last mission is successful. You are able to shut off all the science projects. You're able to shut off all the things that sustain the wall rider's existence, even though it's this like incorporeal form. I haven't form. gotten past that part. I'm interested to find out. Okay. However, you are thrown around. You are beating the crap up by this wall rider. I don't know how you're able to make it. You got broken ribs. Wow. You got broken leg. You're like hobbling broken, around. Of course, your leg. fingers are still cut off from Traeger, right? You've been thrown through this nightmare. Somehow you have escaped it, it seems. Though, of course, not unscathed. But you hobble literally to the door. It's actually like you're just, uh, 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 and as the door opens, Chris Walker. No, <laughs> wait a second. I don't. The twins. No, not again. <laughs> uh, as you hobble to the door, it opens up and shows a squad of SWAT team members who look surprisingly like Nazis, perhaps in some ways. They resemble. Mm-hmm. They got the rifles aimed at you. They surround Dr. Wernicke as he shoots, as he shouts to you, Gotten Himmel, he's become the new host. And you are shot to death. Screen goes black. In the blackness, that is your vision at this point, you hear screams. You hear more gunshots. You hear the inhuman sounds. And the game cuts to credits. Now, apparently... There is the whistleblower DLC, but apparently there is. Apparently, it's not allegedly confirmed. Can't can't confirm or deny. There is the whistleblower DLC. We will not be talking about it on this show because two thirds of us to experience. Yes, you have to experience it yourself. We're not going to be discussing it because two thirds of the room have not played it yet. But basic premise from Spark Sparkhead: You give us anything without spoiling the whistleblower. It takes everything that's great about this game and compiles it into half its length. And wow. And explains a whole bunch more. 
It 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 really does give an alternative uh, view. Oh, so it's not it's not more story, but an alternative pers- uh, uh, point of view. Yeah. So so what I do know is that it's a sequel, but it's also a prequel. It's more like it's a prequel, but it's also a sequel. Okay, so yeah. it's primarily a prequel because well, it's what about I heard the is that it starts before the the um, events of this one. Okay. Of the non-DLC and ends after, but it runs concurrently. Interesting. That's what I've heard. Interesting. I cannot confirm nor deny this. <laughs> I love that voice. Oh, God, yeah, so good. That's the Spar Spar voice. <laughs> the Spar, you don't get Spar that voice. with Spartacus. No, yeah, no. Indie Gladiator, you're not getting any of that. So you have to listen to like Radio 1 Friday nights from 6 to 8 p.m. on KCI 8.9 from Irvine to get that. Or streaming Thank online you. at KCI.org. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks for the backup. So that is the end of the Outlast story. Whew, that ending is yeah. pretty decent. Pretty decent. That yeah, there's indeed. a lot of people that said that they did not like the ending, but I that's very. It seems very interesting to me. It's one of those. Yeah. Things it asks a lot more questions than it answers. Which I yeah. I was just talking with you guys behind the scenes about Twin Peaks, and that's what I love about Twin Peaks season three is that it ends without satisfying your curiosity for a lot of questions you had it just makes you go okay well now what does this mean which is great because it makes you it creates discussion and it um it it doesn't it just doesn't end so you're always constantly thinking about okay what do they mean by this or i'm hoping that whistleblower doesn't uh fully like close the chapter on it (laughs) um (laughs) (laughs) Hopefully there's a little more left. Yes. Well, we do have Atlas 2 as well. So We do have Atlas yes. 2, which is set in the same universe. It is not a direct sequel, not with the same characters or anything, but it is also starring the Murkoff Corporation in some way, shape, or form. Can't mm-hmm. detail too much, but... Yeah, yeah, I I thoroughly enjoy where this game went with its narrative. Mm-hmm. I think that's what makes me love it so much, is yeah. that... It kind of comes across as a really like intense horror game, and then it turns very sci-fi very fast. Yeah, yeah, the sci-fi aspect. Like, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. it's 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 also what I appreciate about Earthbound too. Yeah, is it starts out like, oh, okay, it's just an RPG, and then it goes into you are like going into the past to defeat this pure evil. Like it's something you would not even comprehend. It's like something like very place. similar to like, even though there's just like so many like webs and tangles and. Stephen King's whole universe, but it's kind of the same thing as like mm. it and like the like the what what is it the dead the dead lights the dead lights and like mm-hmm. it's mm. like it has more to do with like entities and like very like yeah space and sure like yeah there's realism con- to it yeah you could exactly. see it because that's the way that they made this because this being is not supernatural it was made by like nanites or something right like there were nano robots inside of Billy then the only way that they could activate him was by subjecting him to these awful. And you realize the real horror of it is the humanity of it. Yeah. The driving people insane and it's not even like a paranormal thing. And using people as like objects and not... It's just pure like torture and like... Sure. Like, yeah. That's the horror of it for sure. It's good stuff. So good. All right. So let's go into some more music. We're going to listen to Basement Lab. And then we will listen to, or no, we already missed listen to Basement Lab. We're going to listen to Female Ward. We're going to listen to Now My Son, and then the end credits. Now My Son. Now My Son. And then we will talk a little bit about the soundtrack and get into some gameplay and final thoughts on the game. If you want to call in at this time, 
824-5824-949-UCI-KUCI. You can do so, and you will win a Murkoff Corporation t-shirt. Please do so now. 949-UCI-KUCI. It is all yours. I will send it to you free of charge to your doorstep. So get your chance at the Murkoff Corporation shirt. 949-UCI-KUCI. Dude. You gotta do some more PSAs. Yeah, I was gonna that say was, you that wasn't me. Do legal ID or where did that voice come from? That oh. was Murkoff. That was Murkoff. Mr. Murkoff. Mr. Murkoff. <laughs> oh, cool. So call in now nine four nine UCI KUCI. Otherwise, we will see you in just a little bit. Thank you for listening to KUCI eighty eight point nine FM in Irvine. My name is Marmar, the mid boss, joined by Sparse Bar and Hello Alex. Okay. And <laughs> we are Lag Radio. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. My name is Marmar the Midboss. I'm joined by Sparspar and Hello, Alex. Hello. And Hello. we are talking about Outlast. We are finishing up. So we just got done talking about the whole story, all condensed into one succinct little tidbit. But I highly recommend, of course, playing through the entire game and actually experiencing it because there's no way, no way that we were able to cover it all in one go. So make sure that you play it if you haven't already. Now, soundtrack. Samuel Laflamme, 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 he is best known for doing the soundtracks to both Outlast 1 as well as 2. Though he also made the soundtrack to the Amazing Spider-Man 2 video game. Oh. Interestingly. Yeah. Oh, I didn't play it. And Tony Hawk Pro Skater 2. <laughs> no. I don't know about that. <laughs> he also did the theme for Might and Magic Showdown, which I presume is probably related to the Heroes of Might and Magic series. I would, I would assume, too. I would assume. Now, generally, soundtrack, we can uh, probably just explain it as a bunch of ambient scary stuff with a lot of scary strings and a lot of scary brass sounds that are just meant to spook you real good. Um, I just love how off-putting it is, how off it feels, and the creaks and the crackles and all the just wavering, really scary sounds in some of the strings. Like, Sparspire was mentioning one particular song that was just, like, really got you good, right? In this? In this one. Oh well, there was things that reminded me of other like horror songs that get me good. Right, there was the one song that you were sharing with us off air though, that was just especially like the way that. The oh, that were... was from yeah. Insidious though. Oh really? Yeah. Oh, never mind. But I that's what the violin game. reminded me of. Okay, that's fair. That's fair. Yeah, definitely drawing on that sort of feeling, and like we were talking about earlier, the sound design, right? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. The foley work and everything. Like I want to check out mm. who that guy is, because or who that person is, because they did a fantastic job in just the realism of it. Like you could play the game blind and it'd be like, is this a video or is this a game? Because I don't know, all the sounds were unique and there was so much to add to that atmosphere. Right. Definitely. If I just remember DJ Marmar was like the rain drips or he's just like the water drips. Oh, the water drips. Yes. During the beginning. <laughs> yes. Oh, so good. So good. All right. It was a great soundtrack, very good to complement the gameplay itself. Let's talk about the gameplay, though. Biggest thing, number one, no weapons. Well, you do that in all caps. That doesn't sound like an all caps uh, statement. No. No weapons. weapons. No weapons. <laughs> Thank you, epic voice guy. <laughs> what was your name? Your, main, your name was uh, Mac Demurkov? Mac Demurkov. <laughs> Mac Demurkov. Brother. <laughs> Brother. <laughs> No weapons at all. This is a first-person survival game, FPS, first-person survival. I just coined that myself. Uh, You have no way to defend yourself at all, and it is so anxiety-inducing, in my opinion. Just like, if you want that feeling of being hunted, you got to play this game. 
Certainly, you got yeah. that feeling some from a uh, previous game that we played, uh, Silent Hill. I think you got some oh, feelings. I thought you were going to say Luigi's Mansion. <laughs> <laughs> I did not feel. I did not feel hunted in that game at all. Rip. I just want to kill those booze to death. Oh, the past death. They already did. <laughs> <laughs> they did. They make it. It's dead. a lot more effective. Uh, I think survival as a genre is a lot more effective when it's done with zero weapons mm. rather than with Silent Hill or Resident Evil slash Biohazard that uses like limited ammo or something to f- make you feel like, oh, I can't protect myself. Like having zero weapons is the best because it's like, I guess for the most part, as just a normal human being, if you're in that position, you wouldn't have any weapons. Yeah. Even if you did have weapons, you would probably drop it because you'd be too scared and not know how to operate it or something. And sure. So just like having zero weapons at all is just, it leaves you defenseless and you you can't do anything. So you feel a lot more fear than just like, oh, okay, I got this covered. I'm, I'm good. At, I'm a good shot and could just kill him. You feel far more isolated too. Mm-hmm. There's no protection. Sure. You kind of feel more alone. Yeah, yeah. So. More vulnerable, yeah. No defenses yeah. for sure. So your only form of survival pretty much besides running away is using lockers, using beds, and other hard-to-reach spots from... And doors. That's the one doors. thing that helped a lot in the game is when yeah. you go through doorways, you will close them behind you. <laughs> And then you push a big thing in front of them. Yeah, if there's a big thing to push in front of it, push it in front of oh, it. Oh, yeah. Most likely. There's going to be a lot of crazy psycho dudes and a lot of special sort of sort of ones that are going to run at you a lot. So, yeah, make sure that you are utilizing all of these hiding places. Um, now, one of the things that I did notice, I don't know if this is possible in the game, if it was even in the programming, but if you slip into one of those like areas between bookshelves... I don't think anyone can get you, right? Like, I think that you're invulnerable. So even, like, Chris Walker couldn't pull you out and beat you to death? I don't know. Yeah, I'm not sure about I that. I feel one. like every time I ran away and I got into one of these bookshelf, yeah, sneaky the, little the places, skinny, that was like, that was it. I'm like... That would have been scary if they... If, if they could they pull, pull, you you out, out, pull yeah. you out. Yeah, it would. I'd be like... I know at least <laughs> when you go, when you crawl under, a, like, a drain pipe or whatever, they can't get in there because they're too big. He's sure. just too buff. Like even like too the buff. like the vents, like are the vents oh, kind of yeah. involved? Because I feel like a lot of the time when I like climbed to the vents, like I was scared if like Chris Walker was right on my tail that he'd just like pull that me down. That would be so I good. Was, yeah. would pull be, your legs. Yeah, it'd be like way scarier that way. Because <laughs> you feel like you really had to like outrun him instead of just like, uh-huh. there's a vent, press X. Okay, there we go. Yeah, yeah, instead yeah. Of, sure. like, instead of like, I press X, please, please, please. Oh, no, he got me. Yeah. <laughs> right, right, right. That's true. I was expecting Play that as game well. On, yeah. on nightmare mode. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I don't know, man. We're not playing Five Nights at Freddy's. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, you really do have a lot of moments, though, that there are kind of implants, like little areas of the lockers and beds and stuff that just seem to be there because it's like, all right, you're probably going to be in pursuit soon. You're probably going to be chased by some dude soon. But they're not actually used until later when you return to an area. Something that I noticed for certain certain spots. They were just like, oh, that's an area that I could hide in. Like in the um, kind of prisony asylum when you wake up originally from being like put in the padded room and there's all these beds and stuff in some of the rooms and it's like, well, no one's chasing after me. What's the point of this? But then later on you return to it again and you are being chased by Chris Walker at that time and you can hide underneath the beds in these rooms. So it's a nice touch because they're kind of like almost red herrings where you're like, oh, I'm probably going to get chased soon, but you're not, not until later. But it's also like it goes with the environment too, so it's not like they're just there sure. to hide in. It just works with what you know, what the atmosphere is. Like in the Elder Scrolls games, with all those items, you can just pick up for no reason. Like you're probably never going to need a pot or like a candied apple, but you could take <laughs> it. 
Uh, apples are cool, dude. <laughs> Truth. Especially when you have pot. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> You mentioned both pot and candy apples, which <laughs> I guess so. I said a pot. Jeez, come on. A pot. That's what the kids call it these days, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> hey, All right. <laughs> the big one in this game, though, the big one, besides having no weapons, the one thing that you do get to hold in your hands is a video camera. Now, much of this game is played, played in complete darkness, and thus the only <laughs> way that you can get through this yeah, I don't know how you how you enjoy the game in complete dark, like without the camera at all. Yeah, no, no, no. There's not like especially the sewers. Especially the sewers. There was that one part in the game where you do drop your camera, mm-hmm. and I really like this part because it makes you more vulnerable. It makes you even more vulnerable, like even more. And a camera, a camera out of all things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And when you pick up the camera, it's permanently damaged at this point. Like there's a crack in the corner and all that. It's and it starts great because like, they condition you to just rely on this camera to use night vision to kind of see through everything. And then they just take it away from you. It's like, okay, now you're used to that. Well, now you don't have it. Yep. They just give you enough time to to become reliant on it. Yes. It was a, it was very well done. I think of another. I, there's a few like games that do that, that structured in that way where you lose something. F-Zero. Like, uh, not F-Zero. Shh, Metroid's Zero Mission. Oh, well, they do that kind of towards the end. This is true. I was thinking about something more like, oh, like you need it. Like it's it's a companion. Hmm. Like a cube, perhaps? A <laughs> companion cube? Sure, Port- let's go with that. Portal? <laughs> Come on. You never played Portal? Come on, guy. <sighs> Future week, I guess. Oh, All right. I hope we do Portal 1, too. Please. <laughs> we will try. We will try. All right. So one of the things about this video camera, though, is that when you have it up, it slows down your movement, so you can't oh, have, have it I up didn't know that. all the time. So you could run faster if you didn't have your camera up. Yep. Oh. Yep. So it's not, but it's not too bad, right? That's not, it's not, it slows you down some, but it doesn't like no. ruin the whole experience. You can outrun Walker yeah. for the most part. But for the most part. You're at a disadvantage. But the bigger issue is the battery. They don't give you this unlimited battery thing. They want to continue with that realism. And so you have a limited battery on your camera slash night vision light. Someone was just putting batteries around the asylum. Yeah, I love it. Just like the random radios and stuff with the batteries lying around, sometimes in the sewers and stuff. Yeah, yeah, it's great. Very <laughs> realistic. Uh, <laughs> you, you find batteries scattered throughout well, all these random areas. A, a note uh, or something to note is that they are around some type of electronic at least. So the designers put sure. like a radio or something next to it. It's like, oh, it may have come out of there. Aren't so. they like buy toilets too and stuff too? I don't know about in you, but toilets. I, I too take out batteries when I'm in the toilet. Why <laughs> do you not? Absolutely. 2018, you're not taking out batteries in the toilet. Absolutely. Oh, suppository. Oh, I'll just. Stop. <laughs> oh no. Okay, so you've got a limited battery on the on this camera slash light. You're finding them around throughout the entire asylum, but they are few and far between. And I think that one of the one of the cool things about this is that I think that it spawns them depending on how many you have. Oh. So if you are like I never had more than five at once, and that was like only once in the game. I think that was on normal mode, mind you, not even like exp- like super crazy nightmare mode most of the time i was at two or three batteries and yeah, I'd say same. i was hunting them too i was not just like uh if i find one i'll find one no i was looking in the corners and everything and spooking myself silly but it worked it worked so you have to use this camera sp- pretty much pretty sparingly uh but you also have to use it a lot of the time because otherwise it's totally dark and you never know what's going to come after you now there are i will say a few cheap jump scares throughout the game that was just like 
yeah they really like have musically to. enhanced or mainly i think from the music we're just it's like a, a horror big impact game. Or I don't know. You could be scary without having jump scares. Yeah, it just felt kind of cheap. The few moments Mm. it was just like suddenly fun. It's fun when you're about to walk into a door and then suddenly the door slams on you after like you see a guy's ugly mug in the crack or whatever, and he like closes it on you, and the music just goes or grab you through and yeah, yeah, yeah. It's one of those things where I see why they do it because it gives you an adrenaline spike, so it it, like alerts. And they're in like slower moments, heightens your senses and stuff. Yeah, but I think the game is effective enough where it you could have just walked into a room and seen a person like standing there without any music. And that would be enough to give you chills. Sure. I don't know. I'm, I'm more of those it. kind of no, like, I, feel it. I like, just that. like, Oh, I like that's that. really creepy. And I didn't expect that as opposed to, Oh, let's just spook you with the music. I just like that. Oh, I'm going to walk across like an edge next to this guy that's holding on to the rails in the prison ward. And then, Oh, is he going to grab me? Oh no, he doesn't. Oh wait, he grabs somebody <laughs> else. And then there's <laughs> this big, big connect- yeah, it's like sure, sure, sure. it's that stuff where I'm all like, okay, give it to me. Come on, freak me out. Now, you know who wasn't a cheap scare? The twins. <laughs> when you <laughs> You and the twins, bro. Me and the <laughs> twins. Dude, these guys were messed up because they one shot you. Yeah, there is yeah. no there is no like, oh no, I'm running away. Oh, they beat me once. Oh, I still got some life. Oh man, I want to just get away. No. You you walk up to them even like at their back and they just turn to the side, shank, and you're done. Well, I, you got, know, I got got by them. I got got. I don't think it was, it's not the twins, but there's a part where when you finally make it into the main area again and you have to find the elevator or find the key to the elevator, there's like a dude standing in front of like one of the doorways. And if you go close enough to him, like he'll actually like one hit you. Oh, oh man, geez. that's crazy. Yeah, he's oh, just man. standing there and he's like, get out of here. But he's not doing anything. And if you walk up close enough to him, he'll go. And it's just like a one hit. <laughs> oh, man. And they're really crazy. That's awesome. I need to find this guy. <laughs> I want to get killed by this guy too. Yes. <laughs> Let's go right now. <laughs> so overall, I would say this is a good time. It is just like it's about five hours, maybe six hours in length. Just enough time to make this a really decent experience, make it worth the playthrough. It's a sweet concept, the whole like found footage video camera thing, the it's night really light. Well done too. The filter on it is it yeah. does look realistic yeah. at some points. It does. It's scary. It's yeah, they did scary. a very good job on this game, and I would agree. It's it's like a ride. Where it's just like it's fun to play, just to experience that, and I mean, it's it's fairly short, so like three or four hours maximum probably, for the non DLC section of it. But it's I don't know. I think this is like what I w- would have wanted from Gone Home. Sure. And yeah. was expecting, and then it was just like oh, it is a similar thing where it's a very short game, but like all the documents and stuff you find in this are really engaging and make you want to learn more, as opposed to with Gone Home, I didn't really because it was just it went in a different direction and yeah, it was, lost me. Gone Home's not really like, but this is like in a similar aspect style. where you're going through a place that you're exploring, and you know it's just kind of like oh, what's this? You start out outside and it just kind of reminded me a lot of Gone Home, but went the direction that I would have liked, sure, or that I wanted Gone Home to go in. I will say that Gone Home. Big difference between, I mean, we are talking about concepts and, and vision behind it, so there is that, but I will say that it is a big a big distinguishing factor between the two, budget. Oh, yeah. Oh, I will yeah, say yeah. Gone Home did not have a 1.36 million Canada bucks budget. <laughs> Maple syrup. Maple syrup, <laughs> Maple syrup dollars. dollars, yeah. They did not have that much to probably fund it, but yeah, yeah still the vision, the vision, that's true. Yeah, they could have they could have made it more like that. Either way, any closing thoughts about this game from you guys? Because I know Sparse Bar is a big fan at the very least. I think I kind of gave my closing thoughts. Okay. Yeah, I don't have anything like really external other than... Play Whistleblower? 
Yes. We can't we can't call to action on here, but, mm, but it was it is recommended thoroughly, by Sparse Bar. If you thoroughly <laughs> if you thoroughly enjoyed Outlast, <laughs> just wait till you pick up the controller <gasps> and play Whistleblower. <laughs> People are expecting to say Outlast or Outlast Two, and it's like no. <laughs> no, get no. ready for Outlast DLC. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. And that ends the show. <laughs> and that ends the show. Thank you, everyone, so much for listening to KUCI 88.9 FM Irvine. We are Lag Radio. You've been listening to me, Marvin the Midboss, with Sparse Bar. And hello, Alex. Hi. And <laughs> we are going to be back again uh, next week. It's going to be a very different type of show. We're going to be doing, uh, unfortunately, a shortened show because of UCI men's basketball, I believe. But we're going to be playing some sweet, sweet shifting music, just like what we're about to play in a moment to close out the evening so we're gonna be listening to jamatar with the song midori next if you want to join us on social media facebook.com or twitter.com slash lag life radio twitch.tv slash dj single underscore marmar i'm gonna be playing through the whistleblower dlc just like i played through outlast for this past week sunday and wednesday night so join me on there 8 to 10 p.m pacific standard time and also the Instagram is at DJ double underscore Marmar. Lagradio.kbci.org is going to have the playlist eventually, so make sure you check that out there. And with that, see you next time. Goodbye, Spooktober. Goodbye, Spooktober. Hello. <laughs> Not hello. Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> Good night, everyone.